Hi, this is Justin Norman, pastor of Knobs Baptist Church. We'd like to welcome you to the Knobs Baptist Church broadcast. We thank you for joining us and we hope that you'll stay tuned for just a few moments as we have a special song and a message from God's Word.
Daniel chapter number 2. As I said last week, I find it very fitting for us to go back and uh, try to examine, if you will, a couple passages of Scripture here in Daniel. And I believe it will be a great help to us as we continue our study in Revelation. And uh, hopefully we'll see that tonight as we continue. Uh, Daniel chapter 2, very interesting passage of Scripture. And uh, I want to read it in its entirety tonight. And I'll try not to drag it out too long. But uh, there's certainly a lot of information here. And I've thought about this passage all day. <laughs> so there ain't no telling where all we may run. But I'm going to try not to run any kind of rabbits. I just want to emphasize the Scripture and expound on it. And uh, try not to run too long. But anyways, Daniel chapter number 2. I'll give you a few moments to find your place and try to lay a little uh, foundation right here to get your mind in tune of where we're going to be. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was king there of Babylon. And uh, the king of this Babylonian empire, Nebuchadnezzar, had this dream, this vision which he had seen. Uh, one in which he had forgotten. He desired to know what this dream meant and the interpretation of it. What he had seen to be brought to the forefront of his mind. And we see this very detailed event of what took place of Nebuchadnezzar's dream and how it was interpreted by Daniel. If you found your place in Daniel chapter number 2, we'll see in verse number 1, And then the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep brake from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to shew the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. The king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king and Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If ye will not make known unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof, per tall order, ain't it? <laughs> ye shall be cut in pieces, and your house shall be made a dunghill. He said, Boys, I forgot what it was. But if you're so good, you should be able to tell me what I dreamed. Certainly it was something he hadn't forgot. I guess the, the story behind this dream, maybe he forgot the details of what he had seen, but he did remember the dreadful image that he seen. He desired that these folks tell him what he dreamed and interpret it. But if ye shew the dream and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore shew me the dream and the interpretation thereof. They answered again and said, Let the king tell his servants the dream, and we will shew the interpretation of it. 
The king answered and said, I know of certainty that ye would gain the time. Because ye see, the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not, make known unto me the dream. There is but one decree for you, for ye have prepared, ye, ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me, till the time be changed. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that ye can shew me the interpretation thereof. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There's not a man upon the earth that can shew the king's matter. Therefore there is no king, lord, nor ruler that asked such things. Had any magician or astrologer or Chaldean, and it is a rare thing that the king requireth. There is none other that can shew it before the king, except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. For this cause the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom of Arioch the captain of the king's guard which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? Then Ariok made the thing known to Daniel. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would shew the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Haniah and Mishael and Azra, his companions that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and hast made me I had made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went, un, went in unto Ariot, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said thus unto him, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will shew unto the king the interpretation. Then Eric brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus unto him, I have found a man of the captives of Judah that will make known unto the king the interpretation. The king answered and said to Daniel, Whose name was Belshazzar? Art thou, art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, 
The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men that cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers shew unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king of Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed. What should come to pass hereafter? And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king. Thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. O king, or thou, O king, sawest, and behold a great image. Now listen to this. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cast, till a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces." Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, in verses 31 through 35, we see Daniel's interpretation of what the king had seen. We see this great image that is depicted by Daniel of what the king had saw in his dreams. Something he had dreamed and something that certainly this great image he was fearful of. And I believe that's why he inquired of these wise men of Babylon to interpret this dream something that was very terrifying to him. He could not recollect the very details of it, but Daniel was able to recall it, certainly by the hand of God. Now this image foretold by Daniel was an excellent one, as he described it, one of great stature, and one that was terrible. And we see that it's literally of human stature or human form, as if it was a statue or form of a man. We see that this great image was in a man's form, having a head, having a breast and arms, and having a belly and thighs and legs and feet, to have this form of a man, but as a statue, he was certainly made of other materials. In this case, uh, metals we see and also clay we see that 
uh, as Nebuchadnezzar had seen this great image, and Daniel has depicted it for us, even to read tonight, we see that this image itself, this great image, was made up, first of all, as Daniel described it, a head of gold. And certainly this head of gold is symbolic. It has a meaning. It has a purpose. Uh, this whole statue, this whole image itself, it has a purpose and there's reason behind it. And certainly this head of gold could denote uh, something very precious and united as the whole or a head of some entity. But we see that there's an image with a head of fine gold but also with breast and arms of silver. Now this uh, certainly uh, the breast and arms could depict possibly, and we'll get to this here in just a few moments, but I want to throw this out there to get uh, the wheel a-turning. Uh, could uh, denote some way, form, or fashion uh, of a division with having two arms, and two hands on those uh, arms, uh, apart from the breast or the chest of this image, and uh, this made of silver as well, and keep that in mind. Uh, we see that there is a belly and thighs of brass. And you'll notice that these materials keep changing, don't they? Not only do we see that uh, this image is being described from the head to the feet, from top to bottom, uh, but we see a very precious material described uh, for the head of this statue or stature of this uh, human form. Having a head of gold and having a chest and arms of, of silver, but here we see of brass, and brass being more of an alloy or mix of metals, and uh, certainly it could denote some kind of bonding of entities uh, joining together, just speculating, throwing that out there. I want that wheel to be turning. But then we see these belly, this belly and thighs of brass, but also legs and feet of iron and the feet of iron and clay. And this fourth part, uh, pretty much the legs and the feet and this iron and iron and clay mixture on the feet of this statue or of this form of man, of, of stature. We see uh, certainly this iron and these legs and this clay uh, could very well depict a great division just as the legs divide and uh, the feet are separated but also we see a mixture, mixture of iron and clay as well two very different materials that cannot combine and uh, we see uh, certainly a great division and because of this division uh, we see some utter destruction that is to come for we see a stone and uh, this stone, no doubt, uh, was cast. And uh, this stone that was cut out without hands, as the Scripture says. This stone that was cut out without hands uh, was to break to pieces, in verse 35, like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. This whole statue was to crumble to pieces, to dust, uh, by simply this stone cut out without hands destroying the feet of this statue, this structure of this being. It's a very interesting, very intriguing little uh, vision or dream which Nebuchadnezzar had had and Daniel had interpreted this vision of 
Nebuchadnezzar's unto him, reminded him, recollecting, bringing this to memory of what he had seen. We see the great image kind of pinned out before us tonight, but we also see the interpretation of it as well. Look at verse 36. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beast of the field and the fowls of the heaven hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, forasmuch as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of the iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. We see the interpretation of this great image in this dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And first of all, this head of gold and how it could depict or describe Nebuchadnezzar as king. Daniel told him, said, Nebuchadnezzar, you, as a great king within this realm in Babylon, uh, Daniel told him personally, said, Nebuchadnezzar, you are that head of gold. Now we see certainly a king is not much without his kingdom. For certainly this king and his kingdom would depict this head of gold or what we would see as the Babylonian empire. Certainly there was a time and a place that was fitting for this Babylonian empire to be established here upon the earth. And Nebuchadnezzar had his rule, his reign, and others after him. And certainly this Babylonian, Babylonian empire would run for quite some time. 
we see throughout history, even the Bible tells us biblical history would record that this Babylonian empire would date from 626 B.C. all the way to 539 B.C. We see for almost a hundred years this Babylonian empire would stand in existence. I believe that there was great reason why Daniel would describe the king Nebuchadnezzar as a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom and power and strength and glory. And we see this head of gold would depict Nebuchadnezzar himself and his kingdom, which was established under his rule and reign. Certainly great honor was given to Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, he was one of the kind of those that would stand over an empire. Now we know that the Jewish people had fell under the hand of the Babylonians and was brought into Babylonian captivity. We know that a lot of destructive things happened through these Babylonian people and under this Babylonian siege or empire. But certainly Nebuchadnezzar was, as I said, one of a kind. And I believe that uh, Daniel gave him honor as one that was seated as the king over this empire. We see that he is described as this head of gold. And we can also use this same interpretation as we go throughout this uh, statue as Daniel has described it. If the head is one individual in this kingdom or what we could call this Babylonian empire, we could naturally use an order of succession and find out what these other kingdoms were. History can tell us these things. The Bible can tell us these things. And it can help us get a lot done in this interpretation. Certainly ancient history and the Bible itself as well can prove and show us that the Medo-Persian Empire was next in line in this succession of empires over the world. They conquered the Babylonian Empire around 539 B.C. And we see just as Daniel said, that after these shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. So certainly there was to be a second kingdom which would arise up after this Babylonian Empire, which would depict this breast and arms of silver and it would describe this second kingdom rising up in its succession, which I believe to be this media Persian Empire. Now the Persians would reign in this media Persian Empire from around 550 B.C. to 330 B.C. A little over 200 years, the media Persians would rule and reign. Their empire was very strong and vast, and each one would spread and have more strength than the other. Certainly as we see, the materials that made up this structure, this statue, gold is one of, if not the softest metal which a man can purchase. And as gold is very precious and it's very dense and weighs a whole lot, we see that certainly silver is a little tougher than this gold. And each and every substance as we continue down this statue gets harder and stronger. And certainly these kingdoms would depict that for each one. I must take over the one before it. 
And each one would grow stronger and stronger, having more territory, being worth more, having more military might. We see the Medo-Persian Empire would take reign in around 550 B.C. all through 330 B.C. as well. We see also in verse 39 that there is to be a third kingdom of brass which shall bear rule over all the earth. Now the history books would tell us in this order of succession that uh, there's a Grecian empire that conquered the Media Persian empire around 330 B.C. and began to reign. And what's interesting is this uh, Grecian empire, these uh, people of Greece, they have been known, their empire uh, has been known to stand at least from uh, 800, the year 800 B.C. But yet we see that throughout history, though they stood at 800 B.C., they eventually come to conquer. And the year 334 B.C., they conquered the Media Persian Empire. And their empire lasted till 146 B.C. We see that this is uh, one of the closest empires that come to the day of Christ. But we'll see as well there was yet another empire uh, that would reach the day and age of Christ Himself. Certainly as this third kingdom uh, was to stand and it was to rule and reign over this earth, this Grecian empire, if we follow this order of succession throughout biblical history and history itself, we'll find that this fourth empire described as the legs and the feet of iron and the feet is part of iron and clay. By this, uh, I guess we could process, use the process of elimination and figure out to an extent this fourth kingdom very well could be the empire of Rome. We see that the Roman Empire, uh, as a matter of fact, did conquer the Grecian Empire. We see the Roman Empire about the time of uh, 146 B.C. It conquered this Grecian Empire by heavily military influence. As this iron depicts these legs and feet of uh, iron and clay, this iron, one of the strongest, the strongest substance in this statue that's represented in this vision or this dream, this iron would take over the rest of the kingdoms that were left behind. It was the one that stood strongest. This Roman Empire, which we would know throughout history, would cause great devastation and heartache across the world. Not only was it one of the strongest, but it was one of the hardest. Boy, the heartache that it caused and the division that it caused. And we see that the Roman Empire, history can tell us that this Roman Empire was never conquered. In fact, the Roman Empire, it never was conquered by any other kingdom or empire outside of it. But it actually, in a sense, had fell or collapsed from within. Uh, the history books can tell us that uh, this Roman Empire was actually uh, began to be split up 
at some point in time into uh, two different empires. An Eastern Roman Empire and a Western Roman Empire. Pretty interesting. I encourage you to look some of this up. We see that this Roman Empire never really uh, being conquered by any other king. So where does that place us today? We can speculate. and I imagine that as we continue to look at some of this, we'll see in fact that the very details of this Roman Empire would still in a sense exist today. For we see it never was conquered and done away with. We see its division, as Daniel even described, all the way to the feet and how it was mixed with iron and clay. The iron would depict its strength, how strong and how harsh it was. But the clay being something soft and subtle and something natural. and Boy, certainly iron can be picked up and mined and processed uh, into tools and weaponry which man can use even against one another. But this clay itself is made by God. Boy, it's placed as part of His creation across the world. Boy, it's so tender and it's so gentle. But we see two completely opposite characteristics in these substances that are described. Don't we see Yet the same thing politically in governments across the world today. Don't we see the same thing in spiritually in the religious realm around the world today? Don't we see uh, politically? Think of this. Boy, there's forms of government around the world today that are still harsh and hardened and strong such as dictatorships what about countries of great communism and then yet again we have those forms of clay which are moldable bendable those which can be kneaded and worked to suit and to work and to do things that are fitting things that are gentle things that are needful we see forms of government today as democracy and this great nation which we live in that is ruled and governed by the people that make that nation up. Boy, we see these forms in government itself. It all started in Rome. See, there used to be, as you study the history books, boy, the Romans, they were very strict and uh, boy, even the Romans, I believe it was Nero, I may be wrong, and it's been a while since I read it, but I believe it was Nero, uh, he was uh, pretty much in charge and uh, uh, over uh, the great persecution that the church age had begun to experience in the early church days. You see, the Romans, they didn't have no respect for these so-called Christians that believed in this Christ. And boy, he was hardened to the T. And it wasn't until many years later that there became a ruler that would allow these Christians to worship uh, what they believed and do as they were led. But until then, there was great persecution. It was either their way or the highway. But we began to see through history as the church was birthed 
And as born again believers would spread across the world, there became to be a mixture of this iron and this clay. Boy, how God was trying to do His tender work across the world and reaching souls with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yet there's nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and men that would stand up as iron and steel to cut off this gospel being preached to the world. Well, you can imagine and put your mind to thinking of great representations of what this iron and this clay may be. The reason I feel that this very needful we study this passage of Scripture, for we see these same things even take place today, for they will until Christ comes back. How do you know that, Justin? Are these forms of government, religious entities as well, are they still existing today? Yes, they are. We may not call it the Roman Empire, but my friend, it's come from something. We see that it will run until a certain day when this stone that's cut out without hands would destroy it. That's how this passage can enlighten how the interpretation of this passage can help us in our study in Revelation. We begin to see and put ourselves in this perspective of what is to happen in that day. And we do know this fourth kingdom as it stood in its feet part of iron and clay, as it had become so decayed and broke down, even to the point where they could not coexist. Boy, you can't mix this iron and clay. We see there is a stone cut out from the mount without hands. Look at verse 44. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. The kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. We see that this stone cut out without hands is to come and rule and reign and conquer. Verse 45. What is this stone? We've seen the strength of this Roman Empire, this fourth kingdom. We've seen the diversity, how it was iron and clay, how there was great mixture and how it could not stand on its own, how it was so weak and fragile. We see it today. We've seen its strength, we've seen its diversity, but we see here the end of this kingdom as well. The very ending of this kingdom is the beginning and establishment of a whole other kingdom. One that is not of this earth, but one that is heavenly. One of a stone that is cut out without hands. One that was natural, existent before you and I. My friend, this kingdom which is to be set up is the very kingdom of God. Which every kingdom upon the earth at that time will diminish. And the kingdom of God will stand. Just as it's prophesied. Just as Christ had promised. 
You can mark it down, honey. Jesus Christ is coming back to establish His kingdom here on this earth. We see that certainly there is a point in time when this fourth kingdom, keep that in your mind as we continue through this study. This fourth kingdom, we'll read more about it as we look at the four beasts in Daniel as well. We'll get into that next week and dig out some more details that will help us in our study here in Revelation. I trust you'll take your Bibles and study study wholeheartedly in this passage and throughout Revelation. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. Okay? I do encourage you to continue your study on a weekly basis, daily basis.